serve the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. But if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might, not, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. What I want to start with is, is really to, it's, it's so great that Luke and Janet and the kids are not here today. Because I, I get to ask you without making them feel so uncomfortable. Are you guys just excited to have this family huh, with us? And, uh, and I can say that with you because, um, I have to be careful how I say this, we endured some challenging times. It makes me sound really bad. Like, was, it, was it really that awful? You know? But, but it, there was a lot, long time there where we were praying and wondering, God, what are you doing? And what are you going to accomplish? And what do you want for Grace Church? And we prayed long and hard as members and as a search team and all this. Um, and I've been through several of these now, three in the last four years, three search processes. And there are no guarantees on, you know, because as you've seen, as we look around the world at leaders falling and leaders messing up, and, um, and I would encourage you, pray for our pastor and his family. But, but there are no guarantees, and we got, I mean, I think an incredible family. And, uh, and he's the first to say, I meet with him every couple of weeks, and we talk through a lot of stuff, and um, he's the first to say he's got a lot to learn. That's what he came in here and said, look, guys, give me a year to kind of figure out what this pastoring thing's about. This is his first pastorate and, and, and what this valley's all about. And I would encourage you, give him that time. Get to know him. Pray for him. Spend time with him. This weekend, he's spending time with a whole bunch of families that are up from, the, up from our valley. Um, uh, just pray that God really does his work here. And I think, I, I know that God has incredible plans for Grace Church. Whatever that looks like, I can't tell you exactly. But, but I am thrilled with you that, uh, that God answered our prayers. And I can tell you that. Um, and so then the question is, well, then what are we doing? You know, what, what are Tom and Dina doing? We, and you keep showing up on Sunday mornings. We thought you were done. We thought we fired you. We thought you let you go, and we had a new pastor, and you were out of here. Um, and that is what I get to tell you a bit today as we start is, is kind of our journey. But what I want to tell you is a, a bit of, of what we are doing. And what we are doing right now is um, we are your worship pastor, that's part of what we're doing is being able to be here. And the way it's worked is that we are planting a new church. 
in rifle. And we have been going about three months now. And so I'm going to tell you a bit of, again, our journey in, into doing that and, and what we're doing and why we're doing it, because there's a lot of questions about that. But it made me think, if I fought, take, my, take my journey back in my own life, 30 years ago, I was standing in front of a congregation of people, um, um, larger, more like 60, 70 people we had. It was a brand new church. We planted at Christmas time in San Clemente, California. So I was 29 years old, just turning 30. Well, I just turned 60 this last month. Um, so 30 years ago, and this congregation we had planted from scratch. And so it, it was my first pastorate. And, and so I, in a lot of ways, as I talked to Luke, I can really relate, even though he had four kids when he came here. I only had one when I planted the church, but I, I caught up. I'm more than caught up. But, um, but so I was, we were, and the, and the question was, well, why are you doing that? Why are you out planting a new church? The truth was, I'd been a full-time youth pastor, finished seminary, um, doing youth ministry. Again, similar to Luke's college, I was working with college and high school and junior high students. When my wife came on board, married me, she took over the junior high group and it, it helped me with stuff. Um, and, and that church was growing and trying to reach out. And then we did, somebody came along and said, hey, you know, and they began to explain to me that, about planting churches. Has anybody here never really been a part of a new church plant kind of a thing? Raise your hand if you've never really. Um, yeah, I had neither. In fact, I didn't even know about it. I thought, why? what is planting? What, that sounds like an organic kind of a term. But I'd never heard of new churches starting. I thought all the, most of the churches had already kind of been there. And, and so my job was to help that church, South Shores Baptist Church, on a bluff overlooking the ocean in, in Dana Point, um, a gorgeous place. Why would everyone want to leave that job? I don't know. But, uh, but I was encouraged to study and read a little bit and find out that, uh, that, that the kingdom grows by churches being planted, that churches are always coming along and going away and dying. We have all kinds of churches going away, and that the new churches really have a far better chance of coming in and reaching in a new community and in a place and reaching lost people. It doesn't mean we don't need established churches. We need Grace Church like crazy and all the other churches. The challenge is we need more. But you know what happens is that when you begin to start something new, people say, why don't you just use your efforts and your energy and your prayers and get this one going? rather than looking at something new. But we said, no, we want to plant something new, and we did. And so that's what we did 30 years ago, and, and that was part of our journey. And so coming here, I'll, I'll fast forward. I'm not going to take you through my whole life. But uh, when we came back from China, we kind of had the same idea. Um, as I'd pastored before, and I was beginning to think and pray, what is it about ministry that I like and what I feel like at times God has blessed. And it really was in those early stages. This may surprise you, but in the early stages of churches when they're flexible and they need a lot of um, looseness and there's not a lot of structure, I, I kind of do pretty well in that. And I know that surprises you. You see me as pretty, yeah, yeah I know. Um, but it just seems like that's where my gifts are best used. And so we had this idea that we were going to plant and rifle. And that's been there for a number of years. Um, but also at the same time, I needed a job. I came back from China and I needed a job. And so I ended up driving a truck. I've been a barista. I've done a number of things. Um, been involved in the school district right now in rifle, looking at maybe being a substitute teacher there. Um, 
but but it, but ministry wise, and it turned out that uh, that these interim pastorates came my way. One at the Mennonite Church in Glenwood, and then with you about two and a half years ago, almost three actually. Um, I first showed up and ended up being interim as well as doing other things. And so God kind of provided that, but always in the back of our minds was this this idea that we we knew that planting new churches is important, and so kind of working through that, we finally have been able to get to that point and where beginning of this year, we started Reconcile Church down in Rifle, and uh, we worked it out. We kind of had this idea anyway that we would meet on Sunday nights instead of Sunday mornings. We wanted something that was kind of alternative. Um, what I like to say is there's plenty of good churches on Sunday morning, and there's a lot of people I keep running into that either can't go to church on Sunday morning, they're working or something, or can't go to church on Sunday morning because there's six inches of powder or there is a, a beautiful sunny day, or there, you name it, there's a lot of reasons, aren't there? And so we said, how about if we start something on Sunday night, give people an opportunity to, to do their fun weekend or do their fun Sunday, and still then come to church? And so we started it on Sunday evening as, uh, back in January, and right now we're still kind of getting off the ground, meeting at the library, and we, we've, the last month or so, we've, we've got about 30 or so people that have been coming, and I'd like you all to say hi to Ken and Becca and Hayden over there. Just say hi to those guys. You can, yeah. Isn't it amazing that I have a family like this as a part of our church? Um, and you've only seen the musical side of them. They are a very talented musical family, but Ken and the whole family was a part of our church 10 to 15 years ago, right, as we were in Newcastle. And Ken is a very, also a very gifted preacher, and uh, he was the interim pastor at Mountain View for about four months for a while there, and, and people at Mountain View loved him. And so Ken is a gifted, and they're, they're a gifted family, and they are part of Reconcile. And so we are getting rolling on Sunday nights, and so as far as our story goes, you also, as Grace Church, are a part of that as well, because Grace Church has decided to, to see us as your missionaries and so thank you uh, for allowing us to be your missionaries, and that's part of what we're doing. So, but, but moving along as far as, the, again, the question then, that's why, that's what we're doing right now. Why we're doing it is we, we want to see people who don't know Jesus learn about Jesus. That's, that's the bottom line, and that's why you start new churches. And, and so we will have time in the future. In fact, we're looking at setting a, a date coming up in May or June um, sometime we'll probably be doing an outdoor service down there, and we're going to have a grace night where we'll invite some of these musicians to come down, and we'll do a worship night, probably outside, probably barbecue or something, and invite all of you to come down and join us on a Sunday evening and, uh, and help us kind of be an impact into the community. So we'll let you know about that coming up. But let me step back and then and, and, and get into our passage and and answer again the question because people say, okay, now we know what you're doing. You're planning a church. Where does this idea of reconcile come from? That's the name of, of the church. And and really it came um, to me in a lot of ways. One is when I lived in Glenwood, again, I'd be hiking the mountains of heading up to the cross about three times a week. I've told you about that before, probably when I was preaching here. And... And during that time, I knew that uh, this idea in, uh, as we were, as I was looking around at our world and I was just praying, God, what is it you want in a church and in particular a new church? What is it we, we can be doing? And the idea of reconciliation kept coming up. 
Um, and it really, really was more dealing with the areas, as you know, look at our world. Do we need reconciliation in our world right now? We, this weekend, we are in some scary territory, aren't we? Um, and I'm not going to get political and take sides on things, but I just say it's, we are at a challenging time as a world. What about our country as a whole? Our country as a whole is so polarized in so many ways over so many issues. And, and even coming into our valleys, you begin to, and, and, it, and it crosses all, all kinds of political, uh, socioeconomic, gender, um, generational issues. Um, you, you name the things. There's, there's just all of this conflict and polarizing going on. I think we would all see that. And so this idea of reconciliation kept coming into my mind of how, I mean, I really believe the church should be at the forefront of, of bringing reconciliation to, to people groups. And, and, and we have this great picture in Revelation, don't we? Revelation 7, where it says, and when we get to heaven, we see um, before the throne of God, we see people of all tribe and tongue and nation coming together and worshiping God. Um, and I think God values that. And so for me, reconciliation was there. And I also saw, I will honestly say, I also saw um, more and more people that I knew that were friends that were struggling with their churches. And I saw people leaving churches and jumping into other churches. And, um, and I'll be the first to tell you and that there's a time and a place to, be, to plug into a church. And there's a time to say, you know, this season is over and we need to find another place. I'm, I'm all for that. In fact, all of you know Dave and Kim who are with me. Dave's preached here before. He's actually preaching on reconciliation at the Mennonite Church in Glenwood this morning, right now. He's preaching there. And they had been part of another church for 25 years and then said, you know, the season has changed. But I saw a lot of people that I knew that were leaving and weren't reconciled. They were not leaving on good terms and, and, and leaving broken relationships. And I saw that in churches. We've seen some of that here at times. And that whole concept kept weighing on me. But I will tell you, and it wasn't until one of my hikes um, that I thought, this is, this is important stuff, but it was still, I don't know what you feel like, but all that was like, there's so many things the church needs to do that that was still kind of a peripheral thing. I would say that. It's important, but you can't do everything. You know, we, ha- we need to pray more. We need to dig into the Bible more. We need to do more evangelism, discipleship. We need to do missions. And this whole idea of reconciliation kind of seemed like, well, it's okay, it's good, but it's peripheral. And it wasn't until I was hiking once, and as I was, um, I began to think through, I thought, what are the passages that really strike me on reconciliation? And I, my mind went to some, and I actually stopped and pulled out my phone. Isn't it nice to have Bible in your pocket? There are times where it's, 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 your phones are actually a good thing. Usually not so much. But, uh, but at this point, and I looked, and I remember going and, and, and checking on it and, and looking up the Word and looking, where is this in the Bible? And I went first to Romans 5. Let me just read for you Romans 5, two verses. And it says, um, it's, it's uh, Romans 5, 10, and 11. And yes, because of the dark, I'm going to pull up my glasses. I don't think Luke has to do this. Don't tell him. It says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 
Do you hear that? That one in the verse we read this morning out of 2 Corinthians 5 um, tell, began to tell me that this idea of being reconciled is not a peripheral issue. It's not, I mean, yes, it does affect all these other things, um, but really the idea of reconciliation is the gospel. What I like to say is reconcile is the gospel. Say that with me. Reconcile is the gospel. You see what that, this, is, this is telling me, and we'll see as we look at 2 Corinthians 5 in a minute and, and dig into that a bit more, is that God is, is all about relationships, and, and that's what I would say for reconcile. I like to say reconcile keeps it simple. It's all about relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. Or as my kids like, used to like to say, our chothers. You know, you say you love, your, love, your, love each other, and they say, who are our chothers? So uh, reconciling is a relationship with God. And, and, and why is that so important to God? Well, let me think. Just go back. Who is God? He is one God in three persons. And as Fred Sanders likes to say in the, the, the deep things of God, talking about the Trinity, he likes to call um, our triune God living in eternity past the happy land of the Trinity, he calls it. What that tells us is that this idea that God made us because he was bored and couldn't think of anything else to do, so he decided to make, he, was, he was lonely, so he decided to make people. That is not true. God has been living in perfect, perfect relationship with, with, within the Trinity, within himself, within itself, for eternity past. And God is a relational God, and so relationship is at the core of what this God is all about. And so the key here as we look at 2 Corinthians 5 that we read this morning is this idea of God reconciling us to himself. And so um, what I'm going to do this morning, there's basically three key things. You can just look at the three main things that we kind of lay as foundational for reconcile. And in fact, right now on Sunday nights, we are, we're, we're doing a series of, for the month of April. We're preaching, Dave and I, take turns each week, and we're preaching on what does it mean? Why are we called reconcile, and what does that mean? And Dave started last week, and I'll jump in this week, and then Dave, and then me again. But let me give you the three key points, and I'll tell you today, we're only going to really focus in on one of them, and, I, and that's because that's what I'm doing tonight. But point number one, and you'll see this in 2 Corinthians 5, where we read, um, is that that God reconciled us to himself through Jesus. So what I want you to hear clearly is the first thing is that, is that God moved first. He made the first move. And how did he do it? Let's look in 2 Corinthians 5, and I want you to see um, the key ways that we see that. And we find it in verse 18, 19, and 21. What Paul does is he writes this, he, is he kind of says the same thing over and over in a few different ways so that we'll get it. The first part it says, in verse 18, the beginning, it says, all of this is from God. Isn't that a great way to start? Is that God moves first. It's not us being so great that we, we just go after him until we find him. Um, God moves first. In verse, it says, there, it says, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. 
So God moves first. Let's go down to the next verse. He says it again with a little different, a little more added on. He says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So he kind of expands a little bit and says that God moved first, and how he did that was through Christ, and how he did that was by not counting our sins against us because it's our sins that separate us. That's what causes the rift is our sin. That's the separation. And so God moved first. And the last verse, which is one um, that you should memorize, it says, uh, the way I, let me just read it the way it's written here, and then I'll, the way I memorized it was different translation. But it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the way I knew it was he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So what this tells us is that the first thing we found, everything on it at, at Reconcile, is that God is the one who moved first. And so basically it's kind of like God, God made the first move, now it's your turn. What are you going to do in response? And our hope is that, is that we respond to God. The third one, and I'll give you the third thing we do, and then I'm going to spend a little time on number two as we finish. But the third point that we work with is that God has called us to live um, in a community of reconciliation. Um, God moved first to reconcile us to himself. And so God moving, us responding, gets us in right relationship. That's why it says in 517, the verse you probably, many of you might have memorized back in college if you were a navigator, it says, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, say it with me, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That was one I learned way back when. And then he goes on to say, all of this is from God and begins to talk about reconciliation. Isn't it amazing sometimes we... We get a verse that we memorize. We are all new creations. Amen? Amen. We are reconciled to God. We are new creations. Now, what do we do with that? Well, it tells us. It tells us so now we have the opportunity to be new, to be new in Christ. And what does that mean usually? What's the the biggest thing that's going to change? We begin to be reconciled to one another. If you are new in Christ, if you've received that ability to be connected to God now, um, then you have the ability to forgive other people, to put up with other people and their idiotic ideas. You get to do it. You get to say, sure, that sounds great, when it really doesn't. You know, you get, you get to be able to, to work alongside them and say, you know, you're wrong on that one, but you'll get it someday, you know, until finally you realize, I guess it was me that was wrong. Um, all of these things, that's what it means to be new in Christ. And is, it, so that's what it reconciles, what our hope and prayer is, is that we're creating an environment where we can live in reconciliation. There's a couple of verses right in there that really talk about that. Um, if you go back up to verse, um, verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. And then down at 15 it says, And he died for all those that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Paul goes on and on here in this passage talking about how he is willing to give up his own rights. 
Folks, what God is calling us to be, and I'm not going to preach on this today. I wish I could. If you want to hear more about this, um, Dave preached on number one last week. I'm preaching on what we're going to go to now. But if you want to hear about this reconciliation, what it means to live in reconciliation, we're going to do two weeks on it the next couple Sunday nights. Because to me, this is, is, is critical for us to be unique and different within our communities, to be the ones who are, how would you say, how does James say it? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Does that sound like a lot of Christians you know? A lot of times not. Aren't we the first ones to be jumping on everybody else? It doesn't mean we don't stand up for, for correct doctrine and, and what's right in issues. It just means that that's not our, our, right out of the chute, that's not our response. We are quick to listen. The love of Christ controls us, and so we live for him, and that makes us very different. And then the final verse that, uh, that of course, with me, I've always loved the, the Sermon on the Mount. It brought me, as I began to look at what it means to live in reconciliation, it took me back to Matthew 7. And if you remember where Jesus, I'm sorry, Matthew 5, it's Matthew 5, 23 and 24. You remember Jesus was talking about being angry and saying, it says don't murder, but I tell you, don't be angry. And what's the illustration he uses when he talks about that? Instead of us always walking around angry at everybody because they're wrong and because they're sinners, and like, what do you expect sinners to do? They don't have any Holy Spirit inside them to to talk different, act right. They're going to be wrong. Our our job is to listen. And so what Matthew, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, when it comes to anger, he says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, remember that? So what does that mean? That means if you're worshiping, if you're here today, you're coming to worship, and all of a sudden you remember that your brother has something against you. Quick, remember, it doesn't say if you have something against your brother. You can think of all those things right now. You have a list in your head right now of 10 things you have against somebody. It doesn't say that. Jesus said if you have something, if you remember that all of a sudden somebody has something against you, what do you do? You say, well, you know, he'll get over it. Ah, uh, you know, it's, it's not that big a deal. We'll, we'll, we'll work on it someday. No, what does he say? He says, stop, leave your gift, go be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What he tells you is, in essence, what I believe it means is if you are worshiping and all of a sudden there's something that's wrong between you and somebody, he's saying you cannot keep worshiping honestly before God while that is still there. You're faking it. You're, you can't do it. Now, we know, I'm, I'm not telling you that right now you, everybody get up and go call your mom, you know, or call your, your brother that you've been estranged from. I, I, we, but practically, I mean, later on in the Bible, it just says, you know, as far as it concerning you, right, Live at peace with everyone, meaning that you can't make peace with everyone. We can't always be at peace. Somebody's going to be angry with you. It's, you can't always do that. But what can you do? As far as it concerns you, live at peace with everyone. That means you make the effort to be reconciled, and then you have to leave the rest to God. See, I'm, I'm already starting preaching on that point because I, I love that one. But let's go on to the, the last, the middle point, number two, that's actually right in this passage. Because this is what I want to focus on for you as Grace Church. So the first thing is God moved first. The third thing is we live in a community of reconciliation. But the second one is, is that because God moved first, do you notice when I read those verses, um, verses 18 and 19, I think it is, um, do you notice I left out parts? Listen to what it says. It's, and this is, it goes on um, to explain a little further. 
So where it says in verse 18, remember all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and our second key point that we, is that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And then he goes on again, describes that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and, listen to this, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see what we have? You and I have been given uh, a job. We've been given, it says there, we have a ministry of reconciliation. We have a message of reconciliation. And then one more verse, you see the next one. It says that, let's see, in verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We have been given a ministry a message, and really a commission, a commissioning of reconciliation. You are commissioned as ambassadors of Christ. Basically what this is saying is that, that uh, you are now a part of a bigger kingdom. Amen? Amen. Yes, we're American citizens, and I'm proud of being American, but I am way more proud of a bigger kingdom that I'm a part of, and that is the kingdom of God. And that's where I get my marching orders, Right? We have a commission. We are ambassadors. You and I would both agree. What would an ambassador we sent to another country, unless they get kicked out, like it's happening all the time now? What is an ambassador for another country? What, what do we? What do they have to do? They have to do. They have to represent the country. They and we represent this kingdom, which is this reconciled kingdom of patience, of of listening, of understanding. That's what we're called to do. Um, and we have to do it. I can tell you a quick story, and that is about three weeks ago at, at Reconcile, we had a young man come and share with us, James Straw. And James is, I think, 20 or 21 years old now. He is a private first class in the U.S. Marine Corps, and he was just commissioned to, uh, and, he's, and he's now in Australia with, with a six-month um, assignment. He has been commissioned. Um, he doesn't have a choice, does he? Not really. Um, You have to go where you are sent, and while he is there, he is given a job to do, and that is to serve our country and to to represent our country well. It doesn't always happen. We know that. But that is his job as a a commissioning. He has been commissioned. So uh, what was really fun, though, is that that this commission that we all have is is like that. It's a job. It, it, we can say, well, that'd be nice for us to do. No, this is the, the marching orders that we have been given as the church. Yes, God moved first, and so we thank him that we are now connected to him. We are now, because of that new creation, a new creation, and we can live in, in a community. In fact, remember Jesus says, how will they know that we're his kingdom, part of his kingdom? By how we... Love one another. That's the whole reconcile thing. Um, but it says we can't stop there. You and I can work on those things all we want right here in this little circle, but we have been given a commission to do what? God speaking through us. We are his ambassadors, and what is our message? What is our message? We implore you. It actually, translation could be we plead with you. We beg of you, be reconciled to God. It means you and I care so deeply about what's going on with the thousands of people right around this building and around the world, for that matter. That's, that's why I'm in Rifle. You are willing to send me out to Rifle. 
we go out with a with a, a commissioning and we go and we have a passion that says people we care about you another passage another verse right earlier on if you go back just a few in 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 verse chapter 5 look in verse 11 it says therefore knowing the fear of the lord we persuade others friends this is serious we know god we know his incredible love, but we, we, we are taken what he has, and we, we fear him, and, and, and we want to therefore persuade others. And so we go on out. And, uh, and that's what we've had the opportunity to do in Rifle, is to go down there. And our hope and prayer is, is that as you pray for us, and as you support us, that we are able to do the same thing in Rifle, and that people learn about Jesus. That's really what it comes down to. And you know what's fun for me is that when I mentioned James... Um, the reason we know James Strauss, because he was a little boy about 17, 18 years ago when we, we'd first moved here and we um, took a church and kind of planted a new church. We took a, a small group that was in the Apple Tree Trailer Park and kind of planted it as New Hope Church uh, in Newcastle. And now they, they meet in a bowling alley down there, bought the bowling alley next to City Market and, and are doing some great stuff. Well, 18 years ago, um, James was about... Gosh, he would be about three or four years old, and his family um, was not active in any church. Um, they were not Christians, and we happened to meet them, and, and and Dina got to know his mom, and pretty soon they got in the Bible study, and she became a Christian, um, and, and then little James started coming to the church. So we got to know that family about 18 years ago. They are now one of the core families in Rifle. They've been in Rifle. She's a Rifle police officer. And they are a core family with us at Reconcile. And their son uh, went away to the military, and so we had him back, and we had him share at church. Um, Let me ask you, do you think it's a good idea to have a Marine Corps person share at church? It can be. Sometimes maybe not, (laughs) depending on the person. But I have to tell you what James was able to share is not only is his commissioning as a U.S. Marine Corps, but he is on fire for God. I mean, he, and he was telling us, he said, this is kind of unusual at the camp. Most of the guys, he goes, you guys probably don't know this, but most recruits that are going to boot camp and we go, it's not a real, uh, real nice bunch of guys. I said, oh, really? <laughs> Surprise. He said, there's a lot of rough stuff that goes on. He said, but my roommate and I, we have grown in our faith and we, we have now set up our room on base as kind of a hospitality place where guys can come whenever they want. We have coffee already there and we have some Bibles, and we have a weekly Bible study. And I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. Um, but what was even more fun, if you think about it, for me at least, um, he said, you know, so when I came to Camp Pendleton, he said, I decided I needed to find a church. And so I began to look around, and I found a church and started going. And he said there was some one couple that started picking me up and taking me to this church in San Clemente. His mom told us this. Um, and then he started inviting other recruits, and a whole bunch of them now are going to this church. And I said, well, that's interesting. And we used to li- live in San Clemente. And I said, what church is it a part of? And he said, so his mom checked, and I said, oh, it's Heritage Christian Fellowship. Well, guess what? That's the church that I planted 30 years ago in San Clemente. And he didn't even know it. And that's where he's going. And I said, well, I said, tell me, who, who is it that's picking you up and taking you to church? And he said, well, I asked the guy, I said, hey, you know, my old pastor um, said he was a part of this church. His name was Tom. And, and the guy said, Tom Jones? He said, yeah. And he said, well, he's the reason I'm, I'm going to church. 
It was Juan Luna. This Juan, I mean, he was a Jehovah's Witness back when I knew him. And his wife was coming with his kids, and he had no use for it. And and now he goes to church. I'll leave it at that. But yeah, what that tells me is there is a place in time. And aren't you glad that somebody decided to plant and start Grace Church? That's why you're here. And people have come to Christ because of that. And my prayer now is looking ahead as I, as I think of what God's going to do. I mean, I expect, it's not an either or, I expect God to do great things here um, at Grace Church while he is also doing great things down in Rifle. And, and someday, and you will have the opportunity to be able to, to, to hear great things about what's happening in Rifle. And we're looking forward to sharing more with you. I know as we look back, um, Dave and I would talk back before we got Luke and, I, and say, you know, well, people are asking, what's Tom going to do? And we said, we need to keep it kind of calm right now because we need to make it through till the new pastor comes. So now is finally the time that I can tell you what we're doing down there. Um, and yet um, there's no plans for us. We are grateful to be able to lead worship with you here. And we will see where that leads. But, uh, but it is pretty fun as I look back and what God has done. And, and really, as we finish up, the last thing I want you to see is in chapter 6, as we look ahead, one of the things we need to be willing to do is, like Paul would say, is we need to be willing to do anything possible um, that some might receive the gospel. And in chapter 6, he goes on. Uh, this is not what you read. But look in chapter 6, verse 3. He says, Therefore we put no obstacles in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Um, we as a church are willing to do anything and everything to reach out to people. We hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the reconciling gospel of what he's done for us, but we are willing to be anything and everything. Paul um, had also said back in 1 Corinthians, remember where he talked about? He said, to the weak, I become weak. To, the, to those under the law, I'll become under the law. I don't care what I need to do. I'm willing to do it. And then, he, and then he ended up by saying, remember this phrase? Because I will do all things to all men that by all means some might be saved. And uh, I can look up the verse here, but I can't see it. So uh, Paul was just saying, I'm willing to do anything that somebody will be saved. And that would be my prayer for us right now is that we get such a passion for those people out there that we're willing to put aside any of the things that we we sometimes hold dear, and, and like for me, when I first came here, one of the things I loved was that they let little kids just run crazy in this place once a month on our kids' nights out, and people would say, well, that's the sanctuary, and we say, well, I guess they'll have to get used to it sometime. Might as well let them come in here now, but are we willing to do anything and everything to not put any burdens, anything in anybody's, anybody's path for coming to Christ? Um, there's enough of an offense of the gospel itself. We know that. Um, so we don't need to add to it. And uh, so reconcile is all about that. Those are the key things, and that's what I would challenge you. Um, is, is if, and if you're here today and you haven't been reconciled to God, my prayer for you is that today would be the day um, that you say, I want to believe this and I want to trust. And as we get ready to uh, share at the Lord's table, that's what, that's what this is all about, is remembering remembering exactly what Jesus did for us so that we can be a new creation. We can be full of his love and his peace. Would you pray with me?
God, we all thank you that, uh, that there was a point in each of our lives where we can look back and we can say, God, that was, the t- that was the point that you reached out to me, that I acknowledged and I realized that you had sent your son and that you died on the cross and that I could trust you and, and I could become a new creation. I could become new inside. I could become forgiven and free. And, Lord, we, we can never thank you enough for that. And, Lord, I pray that today we would uh, take that as our commissioning, that for what you've done for us, now, Lord, you want to do through us. You want to use our voices, our lives, our church, to be your ambassadors in this valley, in this country, and around the world. You want to use us to impact people. God, you are a God of relationships. And there are many people that are separated from you that that need to be connected, need to be given a purpose and a plan. But Lord, help us to acknowledge that we have our purpose. We've already been given the marching orders. And so, Lord... uh, Just put that deeply within us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.